Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. When I'm at work I call my bluff and I just want to get out. I'm tight, I'm a right, I just might prepare for the drought. Let me go on. Every day I'm out on the slog. Let me go on. 101 months of jobs. Hey, you're listening to 101 Part Time Jobs. It's the podcast where I speak to musicians and artists 
about their side jobs and how they've been able to make it work. I kind of see all of the things you experience in your life, that's all gonna come back to what you're creating, how you're you know, structuring your day and your, your mindset of it. And that's what I'm interested in, getting the stories of people's mindset, how they're able to go for what they're trying to do. On today's episode, I got Greg Mendez, who I'm a huge fan of. I just discovered his music about a month ago when this track playing beneath this, Maria was getting some great write-ups on Pitchfork and Stereo Gum and lots of other great blogs written by brilliant people. And I was just captured by it. As I say later in this episode, I feel like each one of his songs is like a photograph, which I find, yeah, really fascinating. I feel like you can scratch at that surface and keep on going deeper and deeper. If you haven't heard this record, I really recommend you pause this and go and listen to it. Self-titled, latest Greg Mendez record. Out now. Came out last Friday. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Cheers to 2000 Trees who support this show. 2000 Trees is a festival in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London on the train. And it's got a killer lineup, as always. Headlined by Softplay, formerly known as Slaves, Bullet for My Valentine, and Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. There's a stacked lineup Rival Schools, The Wonder Years, Black Honey, American Football, Hell is for Heroes, The Bronx, Brutus. Loads of ace bands at 2000 Trees this year. If you want to go but you haven't got your ticket yet, you go to 2000trees.co.uk and with the voucher code 101POD, you can get 20 quid straight off that price. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. This is Greg Mendez. Happy release day, Greg. That's great. Thank you. What was the first thing you did when you woke up? Uh, well, I was really tired, but I, I think I probably checked my phone (laughs) unfortunately are you are you you one of those people that tries to avoid that because that's i can i definitely get it it hurts my head it's like not good for my mental health checking my phone first thing yeah i try to avoid it i do try to avoid it but i'm not very good at it it's it's very addictive you dyed your hair that's fun i did yeah we did it last night (laughs) cool Hey, bleached hair is it's fun. For me, it's kinda of like getting a tattoo. It's it's yeah, good. Kinda. It's good energy. A little burn to it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh obviously, you know, you've got like a lot of good like response from Maria and the subsequent singles. Is that like did that change your kind of routine of your day in terms of how much you're on emails or your phone exactly? Yeah, definitely. It definitely did. which is good, you know, but um it also, like, at times was a little overwhelming, which I guess, which is a good problem to have. But um, just one of those things that I didn't expect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But did you did you feel like you had a pretty, like, positive structure of your life to, to deal with that? You um, know, do, do you feel like you had a good enough routine to kind of buffer that and give you some support? No, not really. so you know this is a this is a show about jobs which basically all bands have to do Mm -hmm. every artist has to do if you're playing music even if you're doing really well quote unquote you know where that means being on like a big indie or touring all the time like it just seems to be like everyone's working yeah i kind of hypothesize if you can keep on playing music into your sort of past that kind of murky area of early to mid twenties. Does it get easier from that? Um, 
In terms of what do you mean? Like having a routine. You know, I think routine's a big thing that comes into my mind about this because, you know, for me, if I have a routine, um, then I then I feel okay. And if I don't have a routine, I kind of feel like I'm scra- I feel I feel like I'm swimming in the ocean and I'm gonna drown. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, and so routine is a big thing. And eat, that routine could be anything. It could be going to your favorite coffee shop. It could be just kind of like getting the groceries and being like, okay, well, I'm gonna survive another week. This is cool, you know. I mean, I would say my life is, I mean, personally, my life is definitely a lot more stable than it was when I was in my 20s, especially early 20s. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's much better for me, at least. When you moved into Philly, I've read quite a few interviews with you about, you know, finding friends, finding people who play music, finding that connection with people. Was that like a pretty life-changing thing when that happened? Did that become a primary like focus for you? Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, you know, I like wrote songs and stuff before and like, you know, was trying to record them, but I didn't really like understand, um, you know, I came from the suburbs and there wasn't really much like there were some like, uh, you know, there was this church that would have shows sometimes and like this like weird little DIY space um, that like wasn't anybody's house. I don't, I don't actually know what it was, but it was like just a weird little building. But other than that, like it wasn't really like uh, it wasn't really clear to me that like, you know, making music and recording music and playing shows like could be done by somebody who didn't have like, you know, big label money or something like that in like a real way. Like, you know, rather than like what I was doing, which was like recording, like, you know, at home really poorly. Like it just didn't, I didn't, I didn't really realize until I saw like people that were my peers, like doing what they wanted to do that, like you could do that, you know? And is that the kind of thing where people were building recording studios? I saw you in a super weeks t-shirt. I love that band and love (laughs) Lamo and Eric and Ian Farmer and Jake and all those guys, you know, they've always been very inspiring even from far away because it's like, okay, well, if you can, if you can make a recording studio, you know, and if you can do something and basically, you know, it feels, feels like a dirty word, but I think actually the older I get, the more I'm sort of changing the, my definition of it, but having a business model, mm-hmm. right. Where you can do something that's creative and something that comes from your heart or, you know, really makes you feel good in that way that only, you know, knows how, if you can find a way to kind of bring in, rent money and food money and beer money or whatever you, you need you know that's that's a massively inspirational thing because growing up in the suburbs of london my parents are from the city and it was always like to me and my siblings it was like you know you get a job you fucking you know you get a you get a career i kind of evaded that being the youngest i kind of got away with not that but like the older i get the more i want to live in a counterculture mm-hmm you know, does that, do you relate? Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I kind of had the same pressure from my family, um, for sure. Like, you know, no one ever, the only person who ever was like really particularly encouraging and took my like music stuff seriously was my aunt. Um, you know, the rest of my family was either was like discouraging or kind of was like, Oh, this is a cute little joke thing. And, um, I don't know if I, particularly like I just wanted to do it whatever that looked like you know Mm. like I don't like it 
you know, I tried going to uh, college and uh, it didn't work out very well. And I just, you know, I just, I just think I'm like not particularly suited for all of that, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. I, I, I don't think you're alone. I think there's lots and lots and lots of people, especially in our age bracket, that, you know, we kind of told you can do anything. And then maybe, you know, you kind of think you can't, you know, go to uni, borrow tens of thousands of pounds or dollars mm-hmm. that you're going to have to pay back with a ton of interest. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you can see through it quite. You don't have to be, you know, you can wise up to that pretty quickly. You see yeah. through the bullshit. So why should you? Why should, should you go work and make, make money for someone else? Obviously, that comes with the caveat that sometimes that sounds like, you know, too easy or... Um, you know, privileged or however, you know, but kind of like, fuck it. It just, it feels like big industry is not going to do something for us. Yeah. Why should we, why should we get on our knees for it? Yeah. I mean, I definitely did grow up with like a degree of privilege and, um, you know, as anybody who's from like a middle or upper middle class family, like just even like, even if you don't have like, you know, family that's giving you money, like just, I feel like growing up in that environment is a, a huge privilege in terms of like the way that you uh are socialized and like yeah um you know it's definitely like a privilege to be able to see what you're talking about like i feel like it's harder if you're not uh do you know what i'm saying i don't know how to explain i do that. yeah i've got two things in mind there one of which is that you know being middle class means that your parents can buy you a guitar when you're mm-hmm. 13 14 another thing is is that i think when you're brought up in a place <clears throat> of like of of middle classness is that you, there's a, there's a confidence you know you can walk into a room and say hi to everyone you walk into a party where you just know one person but there's something from i think there's something that can develop from like being middle class and being from that kind of place where you have agency, you know, it's like you can go, it's, it's like, I think there's, I think there's a massive correlation with confidence there. Yeah. I'm trying to say. And like, you know, just like, well, especially like in the music industry, like a lot of, um, uh, like, I feel like, especially in like indie rock, the vast majority of, you know, artists and like people who are working in the industry are from that background. So it's just like, mm. if you also share that, there's just more of a like, baseline commonality like you know it it definitely gives you a little in um yeah it's communication isn't it it's mm -hmm. like you can you 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 watch the same sports teams or you watch the same tv shows or smoke the smoke the same cigarettes yeah you know i i think you know people might be listening even you might be thinking you know this is a fucking far out like roundabout way of an interview but i think all these things do play back into work and creativity because it's it's this is the shit this is like identity stuff mm-hmm. you know it's like okay when you wake up in the morning you know i think there's lots of people who have to really have no choice but to get up and fucking work something that they hate yeah um never i'll never lose sight of that in these conversations but i'm interested about people who have kind of gone their own way you know you, yeah. you've written quite a lot of songs you've been fairly prolific over the years mm-hmm you know, have there been ups and downs with that? Have there been times of more confidence and, you know, a bit of a dip in confidence? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, you know, there were a lot of periods where, like, um, you know, I, I, like, struggled with, uh, 
you know, drugs and stuff for a while and like, Mm. um, you know, didn't have like, you know, there were like periods of uh, extreme financial uh, instability and like, and then other periods even after that where like I did just have to, you know, go to a job every day and like, you know, there were definitely like a lot of times where I wasn't able to put as much energy into um, making music. So, you know, I feel that I've always felt grateful during the times that I can. Do you think that are you you like a believer in sort of the more you write, the better the songs will be? I think so. You know, I think it's like anything like practice makes maybe not perfect, but better. Yeah. Have you, did, have you, did you kind of identify, did you kind of realize that or like, you know, identify that at some point and think like, yeah, if I want to be good at this, then I, I got to really try, you know, I have to put the hours in. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think at first, hold on, I'm going to take my hoodie off because it's hot out here. I think yeah. um, so the spring has sprung. Yeah. It's really kind of overnight. It was cold yesterday. Um, I think at first, especially, you know, when I was like, 17 or whatever like i think i was i didn't really understand um you know i thought everything that i wrote had to be like really good you know i didn't like Mm. so i kind of like didn't write that many songs because i was just you know so worried about whether it was good or not yeah and at some point i kind of got over that and just like realized like you know i'm just gonna write like a bunch of bad songs and then like see what i don't like about those and like you know yeah that takes courage (laughs) and you don't have to like you know you can write a song and you don't have to play it for anybody if you don't like it (laughs) yeah i can i can massively massively relate when my old band was making records and touring a lot it was like oh everyone's everything's got to be pretty good now and i think i wrote like 15 of the same sounding songs you know and like, yeah, hey, some you know, sometimes sometimes that's cool. But I like, I wish that I. There's two things I wish that happened. That I wish I got into the Velvet Underground earlier, mm-hmm. because I think I would have had a different perspective of rock and roll. Yeah, I had a I had a replacements respective. I think if I had the replacements, I feel like the missing key would have been Velvet Underground. But also like giving you like taking it seriously, I think is a really complicated idea because taking it seriously doesn't mean that you're you are a serious person you know and nor does it mean that you'd have to be a jerk or kind of competitive or something like that Mm -hmm. but i but i think taking something seriously i think it's almost like respecting it you know yeah have you respected your songwriting do you think i think so and i think i'm competitive like with myself if that makes sense like yeah it does yeah i'm just kind of always trying to like I just always want to do better than I've done before. I try not to, I mean, you know, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people also, but I try to like only truly compare myself to what I've done. Yeah. That's, you know, everybody's their yeah. own thing, I guess. Like all I can do is the best I can do. And I'm just always trying to like push that a little bit further. This self-titled record is it were you listening to much other music when you were writing it and and what kind of like how big of a time frame were you writing those songs 
Um, the time frame's like kind of big. I feel like I. It's kind of unclear because like some of the songs are really old, and I like you know ones from like fifteen years ago or whatever, and I kind of like wow. came, came back to them. But I mean, I wouldn't say that I was writing it for fifteen years because you know I was doing a lot of other stuff in between and like did other records and stuff. But I, I always how did kept... you how did you come back to those songs? Did you find them on a tape or an email? Yeah, actually, Evan uh, Bernard from the Super Weeks has pretty much has like every demo that I've ever made like on his computer because you know he's been there yeah. since the beginning and. Uh, for a while, I had lost a lot of those old ones, and I, I either hit him up or our other friend Katie, and was like, "Yo, like, send me all these old songs." And um, you know, some of them, like, some of them, which you know, in the time between, I was like, "Oh, all these suck." But then, like, hearing some of them with fresh ears, it's kind of like, "Oh, you know, there's something good about these," and I can like change a little, change a couple words, and like put it, yeah, a more thoughtful arrangement. And um, mate, the arrangements are fantastic the lyrics are just so good thank you, you know so i think what you know probably the, the 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 album that changed my life was reinventing axel rose against me mm -hmm. and the thing that struck me so hard about it was the the structure of songs and you know they didn't have to be verse chorus verse chorus which at that time when you're you know you're playing teenage rock and roll bands you kind of think that's how every song should be. Yeah. You know, and when you realize there are no rules, there's something so magical. And I see that. I hear that in, in your songs. I mean, Maria is the song that everyone's been talking about and the lyrics. And it's great. It's just like a short story. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's so rad. Dude, thank you. That means a lot. And it's like, a, it's, it's like seeing a photograph, you know? Yeah. It's like an exploded photograph. I feel like I used to definitely be a lot more like, I mean, when I first started like playing guitar and writing songs, I remember thinking like, oh, like a, a chord progression like has to happen like two or four times. Like I didn't understand that you could just like do something three times or one time or like, you know, yeah. I like thought that everything had to be and without even realizing that I was thinking that. Yeah, everything had to be in this box and like the things that I listened to weren't even necessarily in this box but I didn't realize like I don't know there's just so many layers to it that like you don't it takes a while to just like realize these simple things ironically sometimes those things that you do once are the hook like that ends up being like the coolest hook yeah yeah like a little treat <laughs> big time being or friends with or working with people like Evan from Super Weeks and people who are producing records, people who are, you know, making it their everyday life. Um, I mean, I guess the, the answer is like an obvious yes here, but that's got to be an inspiration, right? You've got to reflect that good energy. Yeah, totally. I mean, like Evan was, one, you know, one of the first people that, uh, you know, when I was talking about moving to Philly and like realizing that people did this, like Evan was like one of those people, you know, like he was just doing his thing. And it was really inspiring and he was really good at it. And we played in a band together called airports, which was more of like a, you know, late two thousands, like indie pop, uh, lots of keyboards and like crazy stuff, which was mm -hmm. cool. But, um, yeah, Evan, people like that, like I, I don't even know if I would be doing it, you know, <laughs> that's nuts, isn't it? That's great. Thanks, Evan. Shout out Evan. Mm -hmm. What have you, 
Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs. Do you feel like there's, um, you know, I, I think now's quite an interesting time because like, I grew up reading magazines. I guess it would be your version of like AP or anything in Hot Topic. We'd have Enemy and Kerrang. Mm-hmm. And a big thing about those magazines is that like most of the people on the front cover were like, young and sexy and you know like fresh and it's like they've never never done it before and it was the first songs they wrote were the best songs ever mm-hmm. i feel like there's a cool time for it now with the kind of websites you know like stereo gum and pitchfork being up there at the top of of like really celebrating um the journey or like the body of one's work yeah. you know celebrating the the really kind of longevity of of being an artist which is quite a kind of a bit of a paradox with like the way that Spotify and TikTok sort of delivers music now. Yeah. Where, where are you at with like all of that? Like, I, I guess, you know, as younger going to the skate park, I'd, you sort of identify, you'd be like that guy's or that person, that girl, they're a lifer. They're a lifer skater. They're going to be here every day. They are here every day. Do you feel like a lifer playing music? I guess so, you know. I don't even know what else I'm what else I'm gonna do. I'm not really qualified to do anything else. <laughs> you know. I mean I have yeah. worked worked plenty of jobs, but they're all like, you know, jobs that anybody could do. <laughs> um But yeah, I mean I think so. I just you know it's just what I do, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. I mean I feel like I'm at risk here of like Ray Davis said a really amazing thing in an interview I saw on YouTube not too long ago. And he was like, you know, when things are magic, you, you shouldn't try and sort of identify them when they're happening. So I feel like I'm being like the opposite of that and like trying to make you identify something that isn't tangible. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's a cool but quote there. Um, it's definitely a cool quote. Yeah, what no. kind of stuff have you done? Like what's, what's Philadelphia been like for you in terms of, like working jobs have you been able to work for people who you know you don't disagree with exactly people that you can stand hanging around with and being there yeah i mean some of it you know <laughs> um i've done a lot of like uh i've done a lot of hard labor jobs uh yeah. a lot of a lot of restaurant bar jobs um yeah right now is like the best shit i've ever done honestly <laughs> Right now. How so? Uh, well, I do this like I'm a production assistant for these photo shoots, mostly for this for a, a furniture company, and it pays really well, and it's not that hard, and like it's like chill, and I'm like freelance, so I can you know be like, oh yeah, I can work this day. No, I can't work this day, and there's kind of like a level of autonomy to it where like no yeah. one is exactly my boss yeah um that sounds nice it is really nice and it's not like it's you know it's it's like moving furniture and driving trucks at its heart really and but. like you know setting up like equipment and you know backdrops and stuff like that but it's you know it, it pays a lot better than uh similar things like that so it's pretty great and then i have a i have a night job too where i uh, work the door at a music venue nice Uh, which one the tla theater of the living arts what what kind of gigs do they have what kind of performances are there 
Um, it's like a thousand cap uh, venue. It, it it really varies. Like uh, these days, a lot of it is like TikTok stars and stuff like that. But you know, it's like some metal shows, hip hop shows, cool. indie rock shows. Like you know, just like hey, that's cool. Yeah. Have you discovered some good stuff? I mean, obviously, not everything there is going to be up your street. But have you have you discovered some stuff that you wouldn't have otherwise there? Uh, not really. And. I think part of that is because I'm just like outside the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Can you smoke? Mm-hmm. People yeah. aren't dicks. People aren't jerks. Oh, sometimes they are. Are you, are you the security? I'm like, I work for the bar technically, so I'm just checking people's IDs. Yeah. And they're, if they're over 21, I give them a little wristband. And if they're not, I don't give them a wristband. Have you ever sussed out someone's fake ID? Yeah. What what's the scenario? What's the what's the protocol there? Oh, uh, you just don't give them a wristband. But but you don't sort of get you don't have to put them in trouble. No, no, I'm not a cop. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's very good. When I was younger, we used to go down to. I grew up in the northwest suburbs, but in the southwest is where brilliant record shop and promoter Banquet Records is. And we used to go see hardcore bands down there because loads of hardcore bands were from there, and Banquet Records was just so big for us. And we went down and all my friends are a bit older than me and I borrowed an ID from someone at school and he was like, look, just remember that day at school. He was like, just remember the postcode because that's how they'll ask you. They'll be like, what's your, what's your zip code? And obviously I forgot it on the door <laughs> and, it, and it was a student town where I don't even blame the guy, right? Because he's got to do his job and it sucks. But I, because it was a college town or it is a university town, they were having troubles with violence and stuff. And so basically he had to turn me into the police and wow. including the and and i and the next day my stepdad had to drive me like an hour after school to go pick it up from john tolly the guy that runs banquet records and he's like i wanted to like impress him you know i'm like this is this guy who, <laughs> he's like kind of like a, a you know the head of the scene in that kind of regard uh and it was really very embarrassing that's funny <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, I had a fake ID when I was a kid too. Was it a, a Euro driver's license? It was like nondescript. It was, it was actually really bad. It was like a, <laughs> I got it in New York, and it was like, it was just from like a photo place, and it said, I forget what state it was from, honestly, but it like didn't look like any license, and it said like not a government ID on top, but I cut that part off and like rounded the corners. And it actually worked, even though I like I was, you know, I've always had a baby face. So when I was like 16, I looked like I was like 13, probably. But like, I kind of right. just took it to places that I knew would be fine with it to like buy booze or cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you can get away with it. Well, my mum got me uh, when I was 14. I desperately wanted to go into London to go to the gigs. And it was a 16 plus at most venues the sort of thousand cap venues, mm -hmm. 500 cap. And so I'd use that ID to buy beers, of course, once I turned 16 to be 18 and went to our local off license. It was run by such a lovely Indian family. They were just our friends. You know, they were in the community. Their kids went to our school, like Jay and Geeta were their names that ran it. 
And I coming home, it's probably like the dozenth time I'd bought a bag of beers from them. And I, I walk past my neighbor. He walks past me and he kind of gives me the dead eye. I'm kind of like, fuck you, man. Inside my brain, obviously. not Definitely not outside. And uh, 10 minutes later, I get a rap on the door of my mom's house. And it's Jay, the guy who runs the off license, being like, Giles, I'm really disappointed in you. You have to come back with me. Give those beers back and I'll give your money back. <laughs> And I had to do this walk of shame, you know, around the block. Oh no! I just felt bad, but <laughs> anyway, yeah. Have you, have you, did you, have you been on tour with other bands much? Have you been sort of involved with other bands and, you know, helping out on, you know, a friend level or or a touring help level? I haven't done much touring, honestly. Like I've done a couple. Uh, like I had like a full band for a little bit, and Evan was in it. Evan played drums and and ian played bass ian farmer actually and um we did like a two-week tour in like 2018 and i did uh i did a little tour when uh cherry hell came out in 2020 um but after that like you know covid before that i really hadn't done any like we had done like a little tour with airports like back in the day with algernon cadwallader actually yeah um, oh yeah that's sick and that was really it. Like, you know, I was really just like not in a place to do it for most of my 20s. And um, then COVID happened and I did one tour with my friend Shannon Moser. And we yeah. got we had like a two week tour booked and we got five days in and then both got COVID and then uh, came home. And that was kind of the last the last thing. What's the feeling of touring? You know, I'm thinking of Tony Molina, who was on an episode of, of these, uh, you know, about a year or so ago. And his thing is like, he was like, look, he's happy being at home, writing records, you know, tour every now and then, do sort of like scatters of sh- clusters of shows every now and then. I mean, if you can like survive playing, you know, not having to go on the road, where where are you at with that, do you think? I mean, I definitely like, you know, being at home and making records and stuff. I, you know, I want to, I want to do some more touring just because I've never really done it. And like, you know, maybe it would be, it would be cool to get to a place where like, I don't have to work as much. If like I could, you know, do, if I could, if I could make money doing some touring and then like that leads more people to hear the music and then maybe i make more money off the records too like i'm i'm kind of down with that honestly (laughs) yeah i don't i don't really know how i would like going on like a six-week tour or something because i've just never done it it's interesting because i wonder if that puts you in a place where you're kind of you're reactionary you're reactionary to you make this art you make these records you are who you are and you basically react into the way that other people respond to it. You know, you react into to offers, basically, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, and like, well, I, I mean, you know. could go out and book your own four-month-long tour if you wanted to, probably. Yeah, and like, you know, I have, I did book a couple of them, and it is really hard, and it is like, I mean, I'm that's a full-time job, isn't it? Like yeah, booking a long tour, especially now, like after covid like everything happens a lot like further in advance mm-hmm. especially if it's like vent like you like venues are like booked up like six months in advance mm-hmm. it's like really crazy but um i also just like you know i'm in my 30s now and like i'm married and we have a we have our own apartment thank you 
and like, you know, I feel like I kind of missed the window of being able to just be like, well, I'm going to do like a full DIY US tour and I don't care if I don't make any money or lose any money because I'm paying $200 a month for a room yeah. some punk house and like I kind of just missed that window of like being able to do that yeah and my body's you know all fucked up now <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you know. hey but you know like I was saying earlier there's that element of I think there I think that like the older you get the the older your fans will be you know the the sort of more money potentially people have to buy records there's an argument for staying at home I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah you know I mean, I definitely, Great. like, you know, I've got some stuff in the works for the fall. Um, cool. Great. Are you, do, you, do you have a feeling that you want to, like, have you got songs in your pocket that you want to you want to record and get out there after that? That seems to be a trend right now. People releasing albums, full lengths, and then two months after releasing an EP. Yeah, I mean, I have songs. I, do, I always have songs, but I, I haven't started recording anything or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, like don't want to do that if that makes sense like i th- i feel like i like don't want to bow to the new like streaming release as much little bits as you can thing like yeah. i just kind of want to like be- put out stuff that i'm like a hundred percent behind and i feel like yeah. my songs work better in like albums yeah great but cool. i don't know We'll see. Maybe I'm full of shit, and maybe you'll see like a new EP from me in six months. I don't fucking know. <laughs> You're joining TikTok tomorrow. <laughs> I had that thought with TikTok yesterday. I was kind of like, because I've been making some, and basically my like my my criteria is if it makes me laugh. Actually, I did one today that was about my friend getting married at the weekend. So that was kind of like emotional, and you know. That was cool. Like it's cool to get something documented like that. But, but other than that, it's like if I can make myself laugh with a TikTok video, I'm doing my. That's it. You know, I'm happy with that. You know, I think there's a big reason for like the reason. I think I think it's really easy to be like, oh, TikTok, and scoff at it or groan at it, or like same as YouTube, same as Spotify. But I think I think it comes. It's, it's from where you're coming from with it. Like these are just platforms. Like they're carte blanche. They're just yeah. platforms to do what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not on TikTok, but it's not really like I don't hate it. I don't I don't have it because I feel like, or I'm, I don't have the app because I feel like it would be another thing for me to get addicted to. But right. um, I just feel like I wouldn't be very good at it, and and uh, you know, <laughs> I can see I can see a few of the songs of the record becoming TikTok hits because what a lot of people are doing is they'll be like filming five seconds of you know every you know a good part of their holiday. So they'll maybe finish a four-day holiday with like a dozen clips or whatever. And then you can piece them together and then put a track beneath it. Mm-hmm. And I can hear something from this new record on that because it's, uh, like I said, it's, there's photographs. It, it, if they feel like it's like they're, mem- they're memory songs is what it feels like to me. Yeah. I mean, if somebody, want, if somebody started doing that, I wouldn't be mad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
got your happy price, price line. Greg, thanks so much for chatting to me and, you know, hearing and giving thoughts to my questions. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a nice, uh, it's been a nice time. Nice morning. I like to, you know, ask people about the sort of, uh, like the worst stories from previous employments. Oh, <laughs> kind <geez>. of. <laughs> I got some. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of just like, do you want like the worst thing or like the craziest thing? Both. Uh, the worst one was probably actually the the job that I had before what I'm doing now was uh, restoration, like fire, water, mold damage. And we would also do biohazard cleanups that were like, you know, somebody, somebody died and like the coroner oh. removes the body. But sometimes it's been there for a while and there's all kinds of fluids and you know, oh. matter that gets into carpets and couches or beds or whatever. So like the cleanups from that, uh, I had to wow. shovel shit out of a dirt floor crawl space one time for like two weeks straight. Uh, oh. you know, like a, sewage, how did it get there? A sewage pipe break. And it just, you know, just kept going and the entire, and I mean, it, it was like 90 degrees. The crawl space was about like two feet high so we're on like we're like crawling in these like hot tyvek suits with full face respirators and like it's just like uh, however much like we just had to be shoveling this sewage saturated dirt into contractor bags and then taking them out like just in like 90 degree weather that was maybe like one of the most uh unpleasant couple weeks of my working life um fuck damn that's yeah sorry probably the craziest uh the most insane sounding thing was uh probably in like 2011 like i didn't have anywhere to live and i didn't have a job and i was actually like asking people for money getting onto the highway at like 30th street station in philadelphia and this guy pulls up and he's like you want a job and i was like sure and he gave me his number and he's like, come to Harrisburg on Monday and gave me this okay. address. And Harrisburg is like a, it's the capital of Pennsylvania, but it's like a small city about like an, like an hour train ride away. I didn't have a car. So I, you know, took the train there and I get there and uh, it's this auto recycling shop where they like, they bring in engines and transmissions and stuff that are like, you know, fucked up, but they bring them in and all these guys are stripping all the parts out and the parts go to one place and then the the aluminum gets separated because that's worth more money and the rest of the metal goes into another right. uh, bin and um i started as the janitor there and like that guy like set me up in a half like a room in a halfway house for 75 dollars a week and wow. so i just like immediately went from like immediately showed up there and like was in this and I had no money and my like supervisor like gave me $5 to like get dinner the first night. And the first, 
So I work the first week as a, like, I'm just like sweeping up, you know, cleaning up around the bathroom was like really nasty with like oil and transmission fluid everywhere. And I like really deep cleaned it in the first week. And then that Friday, this guy who hired me shows up and he's a, a brand new, like sparkling white Jeep Wrangler with like the four doors at the time pulls up and he's like hanging out the passenger side door, like standing on the, the foot rail with a wad of like probably ten to $15,000 in cash. And he's waving it in the air and everyone's cheering. And it's these like bonuses for productivity. And uh, he gives everybody a $400 bonus for the month. And, uh, and he's like, who are you? Oh, I just, I just hired you. Right. And then like, they're like, like he's like, I don't think I can give you one because you've only been here for a week. And then he asks, he's like, oh, how, how's he doing? And everybody's like, he's amazing. He like the bathroom looks like brand new, like he's doing so good. And he's just like, oh, fuck it. I'll give you one, too. Gives me the bonus. Yes. And then, oh like, my God. And then the next week, they like moved me up to being a, a crane operator, which was just not a big crane, but like, you know, just a little yeah. crane to take the. The transmissions wow. and whatnot. What a great story. <laughs> Pretty wild. That's definitely the craziest one. I didn't work there for that long. It was only a couple months, and like Harrisburg is really rough, and like a bunch of bad stuff happened, and I was just like, I'm getting on a train out of here. <laughs> did, did you feel like, I mean, it sounds like they really took you in. Sounds like people were really kind. Yeah, they were really nice, and like it was, it was a, it was kind of a cool place. Like that guy, I don't know what that guy's story was. Like he seemed kind of mobby to me a little bit. Right, um, right. But he, you know, he was his thing was like uh, helping people who were like struggling with homelessness or whatever. I think I was the only person yeah. in there who wasn't like a felon. Like it was a lot right. of guys who had like just gotten out of like prison time and whatnot. Yeah. And, like, hey, we need those. Yeah. We need you know because it's the rehabilitation. It that's that's so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what a story, Greg. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so did that, did that kind of change you after that? Uh, I went back to doing exactly the same thing afterwards. <laughs> but, I mean, looking back, like, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you meet people like that and, and they, they have an effect for like let for years. Yeah. I mean, I think about a lot of those people, you know, still like it was definitely like a, a an important little couple month chunk of my life you know yeah yeah great well thank you so much for telling me that <laughs> you know i appreciate this stuff because it, there's a level there's a level of like candidacy or you know openness that sort of this this kind of conversation requires so thanks so much for being open to it man yeah thanks for having me so there he was greg mendez on the release day of his new self-titled debut record thank you for listening if you enjoyed it feel free to subscribe leave a review rate it all that shit helps trying to get to the cream of the top that's what i'm trying to do here trying to make this work trying to have fun with it and trying to get more guests on so thanks so much for helping me try and do that the song you heard at the very start was a reimagined cover of blister in the sun by violent femmes produced by jason cavalier cheers jay i think that's our forever jingle i've got two more full episodes coming out this week with cloth a great duo sister brother duo Glasgow who've just released a new record on Mogwai's rock action label and then Body Type from Sydney. I recommend checking them out. They've got a couple of brilliant new songs that come out in the last few weeks. Great rock and roll thing going on there. I love it. All right. 
Here's Cox Barra. Cheers. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.